I finished Fellowship of the Rings. Yeah, and? Or, or is it Fellowship of the Rings? <laughs> you don't even know. Be, guess it would be you just... Even, you read a book, you don't even know, know what it's called. It would be singular. Well, there's multiple rings, but there's uh, one ring to rule them, them all. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that. So you want to know what I thought of the book? I, I, I think you liked it. It was good. That's it. From the pointy I'm, ears I'm, I'm, and the hat that you're wearing, I think you enjoyed it. I'm not going into details good. Um, I I was going to say some words that were very impressive and come with a great intellect, but I forgot them. So, it's your turn. Say some words. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I don't remember what I was going to say. Phew. No, it was actually fucking awful. What am I talking about? <laughs> hey, ask me how my novel's going that uh, I'm writing. How is your novel going? I haven't written a word since the Tuesday you came over last week. The two 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 Tuesdays ago. That's a titty twister <laughs> of a tongue twister. Um, yeah, because you came over this Tuesday, and boy, was that a fucking botch job. <laughs> that was a bail. I was exhausted, and then you were also exhausted, so that just led to two guys sitting there looking at each other, and then we actually, we were such losers that we just went and watched a master class. At least uh, that was kind of productive. Yeah, that's how we uh, pretended to be productive, <laughs> was watch Walter Mosley tell us that we need to write every day. So that that was a botch job. We failed big time. Though, that did give me, I was trying to look up some of his, like, books and stuff. Right. And I guess he, um, he does a lot of, uh, like, a lot of his stuff is, like, crime. Ooh. That... So we were talking about doing, you know, just getting into that, you know, that stuff kind of in, in general, so. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. I was at the bookstore the other day, but I couldn't really find any of his stuff. Tomorrow, I am going to the Barnes & Noble, and I may or may not come back with something expensive. God damn it, if I fucking come down here and I see <laughs> a box set of Game of Thrones, so help me God. Oh no, I got a fucking handy cramp. Oh, the Game of Thrones got me turned on, and I, I, I squeezed my hamstring somehow. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. What do I do? Oh, oh, I feel like the mountain came and squeezed it. Oh, God, Hathor, what are you doing to me? Oh, that was bad. I, as soon as you said Game of Thrones, it just was like, <laughs> like I just had a surge of fucking... All the blood from your body surged <laughs> to your penis and it just cramped up. Not my penis. My penis didn't cramp up. Ew, but what if you could get penis cramps? No, I'm saying... Like all, all your liquids just rush to your penis, <laughs> causing the rest of your body to cramp up. Oh, uh, <laughs> because of the arousal. Yeah. That makes more sense. And the dehydration of everything. Yeah, so we're going to end on, that would be awful if you had penis cramps. <laughs> yeah. But that might save a lot of people from dastardly no-do, what is it, ne'er-do-wellers? That word? Sounds like a word. Anyway, we'll be back after this sweet intro music. You are listening to the Drunk Dependent Writing Podcast. What are we talking about writing today? We haven't been, so maybe we should. I was looking at the numbers, and our highest downloads are our writing talk episodes. Okay. So probably should talk about writing. But before we do that, I have to introduce the host, which is me, Caleb James. With me today is Spencer, the Philly Filipino Philanthropist Church. Ooh. 
first try. You guys didn't hear this, but we had a solid five minutes of each of us trying to pronounce the word philanthropist. And <laughs> before was, I looked it up on Google. You was missing up there, yeah, too. Which I also could not spell, so it took a while to find. I almost, it was, it was a hard word for me. I don't know why. And uh, we were also discussing, I, anytime I think of the word philanthropist, I just think of uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia being the full-on rapist because he's trying to say philanthropist and he tells his date he's a full-on rapist. Um, so you're a Filipino philanthropist, but you're also filthy. And I only did that because it starts with F's. Yeah. Even though Filipino is one of those ones that always, you know, confuses me because Philippines is PH, but yeah. Filipino's FI. Yeah, that's weird. That's a weird one. What are you doing there, Philippines? Making things confusing. Yeah. So I wanted to have a whole episode about Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I feel like somebody will enjoy that, but not you. <laughs> that's the problem when the co-host doesn't enjoy it. I wouldn't have fun with it. I had to just not be the other side of the coin is all. You wouldn't get the references. That's the problem. That is the problem. That's, That's the, the issue. That's the problem. But uh, since I finished the fellowship today. Gandalf. That, make, that made me think of character motivations and things along the lines of creating characters. And I don't remember if we talked about crafting characters. Uh, probably a while ago. Well, we'll go into a little we'll, more hopefully detail. We'll, hopefully we're better at it now. Well, now that I'm going to be a novelist here, I have been giving a lot more thought to character development. Because short stories is a different kind of character yeah. development. Uh, if you're like a Stephen King, you can you seem to be very good at uh, crafting either relatable or just characters that people care about in such a short word count. I'm not very good at being able to condense like a person's history yeah. and their character traits and everything all in like such a. And I'm not talking about like he you knows novellas or anything. I'm talking about like under fifteen thousand words. Like anything five to ten thousand words, I think is hard to get characters that people are really invested in. But also, too, I feel like just in general, those kind of stories are more driven by the stories themselves sometimes. Yeah. Other than the, the, the characters are just kind of there to help move the plot forward. If you're doing short stories, I feel like it's a lot easier to lean on classic tropes that'll get people to care about your character. So, think of your victims of sexual assault, think of recovering addicts, think of bullying, people who've been bullied, people who were the bullies and are trying to reform, divorced parents, like, the list goes on and on, um, of, like, things that, you know, you can always have the old cancer patient that's either trying to recover or they know they're gonna die. Like, these are things that'll kind of connect people automatically because most people know one of those things in their life, like, yeah. some, they, they encountered it. Uh, personally, or they have a loved one or friend who's went through any of those things I just mentioned. So that is an easy way to kind of, and I said trope, but I, don't, I mean, is that really a trope? It's just the human experience. I wouldn't say that's a trope or cliche, but in longer works, you can actually flesh out your characters more. And I find uh, the best way to really get people invested in your characters is make them interested in their motivations. Now, like I mentioned, Lord of the Rings, I actually brought that up because the character motivations, which interested me so far in Lord of the Rings, the trilogy, and The Hobbit, which is Bilbo Baggins, you know, the the uncle there. What interests me in both of those stories is the catalyst for the hero's, you know, the hero's journey here is The Hobbit, it's both Gandalf, bringing a hobbit into the mix to save the day, and both Frodo and Bilbo in their respective stories do not want to do this. Yeah. They're the reluctant hero, but their motivations are not driven by adventure. They don't want to go save the day necessarily at the beginning. It, just want to get it over with. 
not even that. At the beginning of The Hobbit, uh, Bilbo, all these dwarfs just show up to his house. And it's hilarious that scene so where there's just like 15 of them. And then Gandalf comes over and is like, you're going on an adventure. And he's like, I don't, I like my house. I don't want to fucking leave. Uh, and then Frodo's was kind of similar. He knew he had to go on an adventure because uh, Bilbo had the ring from The Hobbit. And then they found out it's evil. But he also, like Hobbits are notorious for just wanting to live in their area and not explore, not be adventurers. So there's Hobbit and dwarfs? Yeah, they're different. By there's like a lot how, of things. By, by like how many inches? I don't know the inches, but I know dwarfs are wider. <laughs> oh, is that what the uh, the the redheaded dude? Yeah, was? he's a dwarf. Okay. What is it that uh, John Goodman's character kept saying in The Big Lebowski to Donnie <laughs> when he was yelling at him uh, about because Donnie was fucking getting in the conversation, but he didn't know anything yeah. about what was going on. Fuck, it's been so long since I saw that movie. But I want to yell that at you when you're bringing up the Lord of the Rings. It's like you're out of your element, Spencer. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Just shut up. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Which would be exactly what would happen if I spoke to a Lord of the Rings super fan, yeah. because I read, so even if I read them all, uh, you know how those kind of people are. But anyway, going back to the character's development, I thought the motivation's interesting, because they didn't have a motivation. If anything, their motivation was, like you said, to get it over with once they get on the adventure, and just not have to deal with it. And then that's an interesting way of going about storytelling, because... When you have the protagonist who doesn't want to be on the adventure, he doesn't want to go on the hero's journey, you have to make a reason for him to accept his journey. And at some point, they have the part where it crosses over and he does become the hero or she becomes the hero and wants to do good or bad or whatever it is, whatever your story you're telling. You need to be able to make the motivations realistic to that character, which is hard to do when the character doesn't want to do the thing from the beginning. Now, what about the... Uh... The other characters, like the side characters, did they... They have, all have individual motivations. But, I mean, do they have actual, other than, like, like how you said, like, you know, the, the Hobbit guys, they didn't, like, you know, they didn't really want to do it. Yeah. Are these guys more, the, is, like, the bow and arrow guy more just, like, let's do this. I feel like, you know, putting some arrows in people. Let's, let's get it done. Well, we'll go to the Hobbit first. That story is about the dwarfs just wanting to reclaim their treasure from a dragon. Their homeland or whatever... Their kingdom that they had was uh, overtaken by Smog, a big asshole dragon. Simple story. Uh, they needed Bilbo to be the sneaks to get in there. Uh, he just stumbles on the ring. like That just happens uh, happenstance. I don't know if uh, Tolkien actually had it planned that there would be, you know, the ring would become a major part of the trilogy. Like, I don't even know if he had a trilogy in mind. But some of the thing, like, uh, the favorite stories that, I, I, that I've liked is, like, or, like, aspects of the stories that I like is, like, uh, he, in The Hobbit, ha just happens to stumble across the ring. If he doesn't happen to stumble across that ring, probably whatever happened in that book and, like, the other three books probably would never have happened. Yeah. So, I, I always like the, like, those kind of things, like, those, whenever you can throw, like, a small thing in there. Just and it becomes to, the biggest yeah. part of it. Yeah, those are always interesting. Going to Lord of the Rings, the motivations for the side characters or the other protagonists are a lot more detailed. Uh, it's not just them wanting treasure in their home. They all want different things. And uh, the Fellowship of the Rings is interesting because at the end of it, I'm sure you've seen the movie and forgot, uh, they like split up uh, because certain people want different things. They were just, they were all, their mission is to kind of end the evil and help Frodo, you know, fucking dump this ring in a volcano. But they all had individual things they wanted to do. So once they get to the certain point, it was kind of the split off point. It's like, all right, well, my homeland's this way. I want to do this shit. Um, I, I've decided I want to actually help you 
you know, complete your journey, like different things like that. Like everybody has their different motivations. See, that sounds a lot um, like uh, Game of Thrones. Just from like, the, you know, I've only watched the show, mm-hmm. but like yeah, the whole bunch of characters and like they all interweave and like and interconnect with each other. And like there's like, there's some characters like that you like you've watched from the first season Two characters that have been through on that show the whole time, they haven't met until, like, a couple episodes to the end yeah. of the last season. And it's just, it's, you know, it's crazy when you can do, you know, do that kind of stuff. And, like, you know, really, like, build up that temptation of, yeah. like, when are these guys going to meet? Or, you know, what's going to happen? Or Going back to the character motiv- motivations, because we're talking about Game of Thrones too much. I'm going to definitely buy that collection tomorrow. So, hopefully they don't have it, because that thing's 85 bucks. <sighs> And it's not even fucking complete. Complete the goddamn fucking series, stupid Martin. George R, Triple R, Quadruple R, Send Triple R, Martin. Um, Triple R, Martin. So when you go into your stories, do you... I know we had this discussion before on air about uh, creating your character motivations and stuff, or what the catalyst is, what drives your story. But now that we're more refined, uh, since that last conversation, it probably wasn't that long ago, actually. Do you really give a much thought to your character motivations or do you feel that just kind of falls into place with the story you're telling i've had it on like certain um stories i find that the the motivation will be like a forefront of what i'm writing mm-hmm. and then like on other stories it's uh, i'm just kind of like letting the story kind of take me where i'm going and then just kind of um not fill in the blanks but just kind of see what that what I spit up first and see what go through the garbage and see what I can you know what I can find um like I would say like um my butcher story that's pretty kind of character driven yeah but then like my daily round story is pretty I think is more focused on the on like the the story and like your protagonist really didn't have motivations yeah just... if, if anything it was more of the different characters that he encountered mm-hmm. in you know in all the different rooms like you know yeah. He, yeah he's very the um like the flat is it the flat protagonist or like the um i forget it's someone like uh well, like the well, the the stuff happens to your protagonist, and yeah. then the stories where your protagonist goes out and does you know causes okay. the changes or whatever you know the, the with the story moving forward. I think one of the best ways of creating a story that people really want to get into and get really invested in is one a solid character motivation, and this usually goes with adventure and fantasy, uh, maybe some sci-fi, but. I mean, this could be in all stories, but like I find, it, especially adventure, you know, we talk about the hero's journey, like the character's motivation and the obstacles they have to overcome to get, you know, to complete that, whatever their end goal is, what motivates them. Those seem to be the stories that people gravitate toward the most. Like there's a lot of experimental fiction and a lot of literary fiction where, yeah, the character has motivations, but there's not necessarily a goal. There's not like the obstacles usually is just life. And, you know, people like that stuff, too. I like a lot of that stuff. But it's very, a lot of times it's depressing or it doesn't really leave you feeling satisfied a lot of the times when you read things like that. Like, in The Graduate, Dustin Hoffman, you know, he's going to get married to this lady and he gets seduced by her mom. Now, his end goal is to be with this girl. Uh, and then mom fucks everything up. And It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. But, like, you know, everything goes downhill. And, you know, his motivation is just to get the girl pretty much. You know, boy meets girl kind of story. Um, the obstacle to overcome is the mom and his own desires and lust and all that dumb shit. And then 
uh, at the end, they get together. But what pissed me off about that story was it's just them two on a bus and you don't really actually know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to get together. They're just caught up in the heat of the moment when he's banging on the window and breaks up her wedding and takes her to, you know, they run off and get on the bus and stuff. So it's like stories like that are more like the literary fiction type of stories where the ending's ambiguous or I guess because life continues on. Unless your story ends with somebody dying or something, life continues on, so there's more story after that. So that's why a lot of literary fiction just kind of ends that way. But like adventure stories where it could be the same thing, but you know, the guy conquered the dragon, the uh, the hobbits, they, they threw the ring in the fucking fire. Like there's always a solid ending, even though there would be more story in the future, uh, but that leaves the reader satisfied and the character motivations that led to that moment, like... When you're invested as, you know, feel as invested as the character was to reach that goal, you feel like, oh, yeah, it fucking happened. You get pumped. But if you think of, like, any of the kind of stories you generally read, like your Stephen King stories, those are always based in, uh... Maine. In Maine. (laughs) Those are always based with, like, the character... uh, I would think Stephen King, more than motivation, he does, like, the obstacle route. The obstacle that needs to overcome. You know, Jack Torrance as an alcoholic and he's trying to keep his family together. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that in his work. A lot of monsters and ghouls and fucking uh, but like he's paranormal also, things. But he's also like, his like his characters are really well done. Even if it's like, it, it could be like the guy at the sta- gas station that you see like one time. He's like in one scene in the beginning of the the thing, but, like, that's a fully fleshed out character, but, like, it's not like, you know, you don't get these blocks of text or, or anything, like, you know, he's just, I don't know, that's, like, that's his magical power, like, yeah. I, I, I don't get it. Well, if you think of, like, a book like Revival, you literally go through the whole lives of certain characters. Oh, yeah. From childhood to old. Yeah, some <laughs> of them death. Yeah, and some of them death, and, like, just that kind of writing, like, you're going to get invested in that unless you really just don't care about the characters. Uh, you're seeing somebody's whole life. Yeah. Uh, granted, snapshots of, you know, bigger and, moments, but still, it's pretty cool. And it's, and what what cool about that one is it, it, it's not like the typical uh, Stephen King book. Like, that one was on the smaller side. Yeah. And because you could, like, as we were saying, you know, you see, like, the, the main character, you almost see, like, a good, like, his almost his whole life. So you think that could maybe be a bigger book, but no... It's smaller, so it really amps and speeds up the uh, the pace of it. Right. See, I've been flirting with my last few stories about character motivations, and even so, I feel like my main thing's always, like, the obstacle that they have to overcome. Like, my last story, big story was, you know, about, like, a fucking space monster thing that came down. And, uh, not Space War story. Not Space War story. The motivation of that guy's story was to not die on a fucking shitty rock planet. Yeah. Pretty much. I guess. And I get reprimanded by his bosses for broken equipment. Um, what else was uh, butt sex and... Your, uh, your space story. <clears throat> My space story wasn't really a space story, but he had a monster. And that's like, I, I started it off with you get kind of the character's motivations for like... Because there's a big storm. It's set in like the early 1900s. So like they're more concerned about like their boats, you know, making it through their fishermen. So their boats making it through the storm and things like that. But then once you introduce, like, the monster, all of a sudden their motivations change. Now their motivation is just to stay alive. Yeah. I like the obstacle route because if you think about it, in life, that's basically 
Always an obstacle. Yeah, no matter what. Like, I mean, when we talk about fucking work, mm. that's an obstacle to just get, like, that's the story. Just try to make it through work today without murdering anybody. Yeah. See, my only problem if you just go obstacle, though, is getting the person invested in the character to begin with. Like, well, getting the reader invested. I mean, it all depends on the obstacle, too, you know. Yeah, like I said, there's those common ones that everybody could go, you know, relate to and people have gone through. But when you're doing, like, you know, monster stories or, you know, far out there fantasy or anything, well, now your obstacles, it doesn't matter how grand they are, like, you need the people to care about the person going and trying to overcome that obstacle. And that's where the character motivations come in. Because that's one thing I do feel like at least my short stories fall short on. Because I don't all often go into it with, like, an end goal for any character. I can't think of a recent story I've done where the end, like I said, those guys in that story, it was just to survive, but that wasn't their end goal at the beginning because there was no monster at the beginning. So I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like I had that one story about the kid who commits suicide, but he gets stuck in a time loop where he just, it's right when he's cutting himself and he just, he's like, finally, he's like, oh, I want to live. I don't want to do this, but he just keeps killing himself over and over. His end goal is to break this loop and live, not die. And it, uh, but the, at the same time, the beginning motivation of that story was him killing himself. Like, that was his end goal, was to end it. The obstacle turned out to be time itself, but, like, I don't know. I mean, do you, I guess you don't have to have an end goal set from the beginning because, like, in life, things change on the fly. So maybe whatever the character's beginning end goal was can change and become something different. Uh, maybe that, like I said in that story... He wanted to die at the beginning. That was his end goal. But then, um, you know, it changed him wanting to live. So that became more important than his initial end goal. Well, that's always part of the hero. Like, the we talk about the hero's journey. Yeah. That's normally because normally. The growth the, aspect of it. Yeah, because, you know, normally at the end of each, like, especially, you know, if you're doing like a, ser- a series of something, mm-hmm. like, you don't want, at the end of each story, you want your character, character or characters different than what they were at the beginning of the book. You don't want to completely different, but you want them to have some act like they've grown in some way or something even if it's negative or whatever because if you don't do that then it's like kind of like what's the point of that story if right. nothing if you know if everything's the exact same after you know after it that's what always bugged me about old school which is like the old trope of like simpsons or any old tv show or cartoon family guy i've even brought it up in one of the episodes it was like don't you just hate it when or no, the family guy was different. It was like talking about, I think, when Homer lost his job or something, and they just ended the episode, and then he just still didn't have a job. Yeah. They're like, didn't I just bug the crap out of me? Because in cartoons, like, the trope is, uh, or even in a lot of sitcoms, everything goes back to normal before the next episode. Yeah. Like, there's not lasting change, at least the way they told stories in the 90s. And that always kind of bugged me, too, because, yeah, I get it. Like, okay, you're growing with this these characters and stuff. But, like, you're watching The Simpsons. Like, Homer works at a nuclear plant. Yeah. He's supposed to stay at the nuclear plant. Once he doesn't anymore, you're like, well, what the fuck? I don't know this story anymore. It's different. Uh, but those are always annoying. It's like, no, we, we could change things. Then it's like, he's still working there, but he's never there. Yeah, like, well, that's the thing. You start having to work around that kind of stuff. I don't like stories that just, like, it, it ends the same as it started generally. Because usually, like what, like you said, like what's the growth? What happened? What did the character learn? What did they overcome? I don't even know of a story that could be like that, unless it's a story where everything's great at the beginning. I guess the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits like that at the beginning. You know, they're in the Shire and they're just having a good time. And then they have this giant adventure, and what they what do they want to happen? They just want everything to go back to normal. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe we're ill-equipped to talk about that. Uh, 
topic because a lot of stories I read tend to have dark endings yeah. or things change dramatically. And never for the better. Usually not for the better. Um, though every once in a while I read a happy story. So, Spencer, do you have any goals for working on character motivations in your stories? Is that going to ever be a focus of yours? Well, I mean... Because um, you were writing a story that was more character-driven recently that didn't have a lot of action, I would imagine. Yeah, the... the, the so that's got to be all character motivation, yeah, right? Yeah, pretty much like, uh, the story that, I, yeah, that I'm doing the second draft on. It's uh, it's character mo- motivation, but a lot of it is the um, the whole the go through the ho- holders, like you know what I mean. Yeah. And with this new story, what I um have been messing around with is the not making it, or like maybe making it once and then tripping over it again, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like not like uh, because that's also a, a lot of that can be annoying is that. If you're a hero or whatever, they're always they're always winning, or it seems like it's not that it's too easy. But like, yeah, with this, I'm really uh, the characters like uh, um, like his struggle trying to deal with this thing and the constant battle that mm-hmm. it you know that and like sometimes you win and then sometimes you lose and and the and the readers wondering you know is he gonna overcome it is it yeah. just gonna be a constant thing is he gonna fail and succumb to whatever it is that he's trying to overcome. Because that's another thing. You have to make the possibility of real consequence a thing for the reader. They have to know, because it's easy to go into a story and just be like, well, I know Frodo's not going to die. You can't kill. You got to make it so you think Frodo could die. You need to make it so you think the main character could lose or fail. Um, Some stories are bold and they make the character lose, fail, or die. But they still, you know... That's the old uh, sacrifice yourself thing. You, know, oh. you see a lot of comics and stuff. You know what's a, a good example of that? The The Walking Dead of the 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 battling of something and like the the struggle of always losing or you you won but it doesn't really feel like you yeah. won because like half your people are gone. You have no food, mm. but hey, the main the main couple the a couple of the main characters are still around. Like you know what I mean. So like I think that's a good um you know how you know regarding how you feel about the 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 show or the or the comics or whatever but I think that had that's a good character like you know because there's so many of them and like you know they're making people different and stuff that's a right I think you know if you're looking for examples that might be uh, a thing to check out if you say so maybe yeah overcoming those fucking zombies but the bunch of your people die well that's uh. That was the thing. The thing that was kind of mesmerizing about Squid Game is like everybody dies pretty much. Yeah. Like no spoiler alert because by like the fucking first episode, you, you know, like where they get into the Squid Game, you realize, oh yeah, this is this is not playing by normal storytelling yeah. rules. Anyone can die at any time. Don't fall in love with any character. What a, I feel like we watched something recently or read or talked about something recently that did that too, or it's just like any character you could possibly enjoy. Uh oh, Attack on Titan. Yeah, yeah. It's like don't don't like any character. No, don't like that's one of those shows. Like you could die at any time. So the and once you do that in a story too, that's always a good. Uh, like if I'm writing a novel, I feel like I would want one character that the per- people could really connect with, and by like the midway point, kill off that character or make them lose something big or yeah. you know something very dramatic. That way the reader knows. Oh yeah, there's there's stakes to this. Yeah. 
if he killed that person that I really liked, who's to say he wouldn't kill the, you know, the protagonist or who's to say the antagonist might not win. You never know. That's the old, uh, you know, in the Rocky movies, um, not Clubber Lang, uh, Apollo Creed getting killed. Yeah. So you don't you know who expected Apollo Creed to go down. Mm. Not I. Mm. But then when that Italian stallion comes in and he starts by fighting and you want him to win. You want him to win all the more because he had motivation. And that was to avenge his friend, which is a better motivation than any personal gain that yep. one can get. I think another thing that can be difficult, like you brought up, uh, like Attack on Titans, uh, but like, uh, you know, uh, Walking Dead, when you have something that has like multiple characters, yeah, that's a that's another whole another uh, can of worms because you have to come up with all these separate, different. Like personalities and yeah. goals, and keep them all straight, and you know and that could really blow up your story too. Yeah. Like make it, you know, very big, like Attack on Titan, like that thing. I don't know how short that was originally, but once you get all these, I think that's why they kill so many characters. Mm. Well, we don't have to worry about this guy going back to his village or saving his mom or anything. Mm. If we just get him eaten, They're like plot holes. How do we? How do we tie up loose ends? Just munch, munch, munch. Never have to worry about that again. <laughs> Like you could build up a big story arc, and you're like, ah, oh, shit, this isn't gonna go anywhere. The fans like, kill him, just fucking kill anyone involved in that story arc, and bam, <laughs> wipe your hands clean of that one. Another motivation I always loved was John Wick. Oh, just because of like the dog. Well, oh, it, it, it a... seems so simplistic, the dog, but his wife died, and his wife left him the dog. Yeah, it was his. his it was his last connection to his wife, and and you could just like instantly you're just like, oh fuck, I don't know who this guy is, but come on, that. You don't kill the guy's dog. What are you doing? So the whole movie, no matter what the bad guys do, you just want them to fucking eat shit because of that little dog. And there's three movies so far <laughs> that, and each one you're like, no, he just everyone deserves what they get. Yeah, even the people not involved should have killed the guy's dog. I get that motivation hardcore. And you know what the great thing is is because uh, isn't that guy dead by the first movie? Like the guy that actually does the de- like it's been. Oh lost. yeah, he, he he dies like yeah. So it's like even though that the guy who killed his dog is dead, it's he's still taking it out on all. It's almost kind of like a Punisher kind of thing. It's like you 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 fucking poked the bear. Yeah. <laughs> and now you got to deal with it. <laughs> so great. Uh, yeah, I love those movies. They can just keep making them. I'll be happy. So in summation. Good character motivation and good obstacles for him to overcome. Those are the keys to a good story in my book. Yeah. I don't know what, uh, I mean, there's other things, you know, you can always add love interests and things, but I feel like it always comes down to motivation and what's stopping you from reaching, you know, what's stopping the characters from reaching their goals. That's the main thing. And more importantly, who might be stopping yeah, them? Yeah, I was going to say maybe the, the antagonist comes into play and they have their own motivations and you can make them likable too, which is fun. Because I know we, we've talked about like what makes a good bad guy or vil- villain or whatever. Yeah. But I was going to say another thing we might want to touch on it with the characters is also how, you know, your characters intertwine with their characters. You know, we right. talked about the juggling of all the different personalities and stuff like that, but also how they interact with the with the each other because like i don't know about you but even in real life i could have been like uh i've had moments where i was like i don't like this kind of person a but then i see person a give person b some shit like i kind of like that yeah you know what i mean so like how you play your characters off of each other too is uh very important um not only for the growth of all the characters involved but also the the forwarding of the story 
Yeah, and just building up the dynamic between the characters. Uh, that's another one that can be very difficult because it's not just as easy as, you know, oh, this guy likes baseball and then his buddy likes baseball. Like, you got to really work into certain things. Uh, dialogue. Dialogue. Uh, is um, for your characters, too, because that's the main way that the reader is interacting with your ca- character is either through whatever thoughts they have going through their head or whatever they're saying to each other. You know, it's right. like they're not watching them on the screen, and you know, you might have the you know the author might describe him, and then he will bolt up his fist as he whatever you know what I mean. But other than like you know little things like that, um, you really just they're dealing with the characters' voices and, yeah. and stuff like that. So that's another thing you should probably uh, try to focus on with you know with your characters is the, their actual voice, making their voices unique and. The way they would play off each other has to be realistic. Unlike some things we've read where some of the characters are just like, hey, nobody's fucking talking like that. Well, nobody's interacting in that way. It doesn't make sense. Well, um, uh, uh, before they even found out, like, he was kind of shit here, too. Uh, one of the big criticism is, like, uh, from, like, the Joss Whedon stuff is, like, everybody was witty and had a smug, yeah. like, a, like, a, like, a quick comeback and stuff like that. And it's like, no, not everybody in, a, in like, in the group is like that. There's at least one dumb guy that's getting getting dunked on all the time. I prefer stories where most of the people are not witty and, like, overly sophisticated. Because it just doesn't make sense why a group of people like that would be, like, together. Because I feel, at least in my experience, anytime you see people with, like, rapid-fire wit who can give as good as they get, like, when they're all together, it's... It's like a bunch of jocks in the same room. All of a sudden, they just kind of start competing with each other, yeah. you know? And it's not, it doesn't ever play off as, you know, just fun back and forth and things like that. I mean, I'm sure that exists somewhere, but when the fuck is where? Yeah. Where? And, like, you can't say, like, the witty person, like, most intelligent people are weird or awkward yeah. or, you know, introverted or something. And I'm saying most because, like, you think of, like, I don't know, IT people or fucking Elon Musk of the world. Like, they're kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't imagine them, like, yeah, they could fire off some witty stuff against the dumb guy or just a normal intelligence person, but when they have someone exactly like them, I don't think they're going to be talking, really. I don't. I just feel like that's not going to be that kind of communication. That or if it's, like, them, like, you know, like us talking, yeah. but, like, like, I don't know, like, I don't know about you, but, like, I get into... Well, I'm here, we're talking free will, and we say a whole bunch of crazy shit, but then, like, I go to my one friend's, and, like, they'll have, like, a little bit of party, there's this room full of people, and, like, I, like, I kind of know them from being over yeah. there, but, like, I don't know them, no. You're not and, talking like, to And like I don't that. say a fucking thing unless if I'm spoken to. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because, like, I don't, A, I don't know what the boundaries are, like, you know, what can I say to, to offend somebody? Well, that's another good point, is whenever you have, char- that always kills me when I'm reading something. And, like, you establish one or two characters, and then you have them meet new people. Like, people that's new to them, not just new to the reader. Like, they don't know these people at all. And they talk the exact same way they were talking to their friend that they've known for 20 years. Yeah. Like, that's not, that, that doesn't happen. No. I don't, when, I mean, if you, you have to be, like, kind of, like, a sociopath if you do that. Like, there are, I know some people who do that. They're very, either, they're, like, severe narcissists, or they're just, like, some, I don't care how intro or extroverted you are. It's when do you see somebody talk to everybody exactly the same? Yeah. Like it's, it's it's strange. Like that would be off putting, I would think, for most people. Is like some guy who's like hypermanic comes up to you, is like, hey, blah blah blah, blah and because that's how he talks to all his friends. Like that does that's very rare that works. When people are drunk or on drugs, maybe. 
but not just like sober. So when you have a character who's never met another character and they start talking to them the same way they talk to their friends or they talk to even like their their mother in the story the same way they talk to their friends or wife, like separate voices for separate people as like the real world. Unless, again, like if you somehow explain it in the story, like, like maybe one of the characters you're writing, he's like this big, tough, like powerful guy. So... Yeah, he talks to everybody the same way, yeah. down to, like, everybody, like, you know what I mean? Because nobody's going to do anything, so he has that, like, you know what I mean? Nobody's going to give him anything, or, like, yeah. maybe you had, like, a shit mom or dad, you know, in the story that, you know, wasn't really there. So, like, yeah, you might be like, ah, fuck you, mom, like, the way you, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Because, you, you you know what I mean? They might not have been around or whatever. So, again, like, that just, uh, uh, you, it plays into the story. I, even so, I feel it would be very difficult to find a character in real life or in any fiction who, if spoken to enough, like, if they speak to enough people, would speak to everyone, like, in the same oh, manner. Oh, no, yeah. It would be like, you're, like, even the, the guy you just said, how's he going to speak to the waiters, though? He'd probably be very demeaning and stuff, you know, if we're talking about, like, some rich, powerful fucking jerk guy. But is he, is he gonna talk to his parents like that, or his wife like that, or his kids like if? Because if that person is talking to everybody in su- such a manner, I feel like they would just end up being alienated, and they would not have anybody to talk to. I mean, that's that's kind of like the uh, extreme end of things. But I always think that you should have your characters speak. You know, if you have a big ensemble of characters, yeah. talk to because even amongst your friend groups, you talk to certain oh, friends yeah. certain ways. Even when you're all hanging out together, and if you watched it from an outsider's perspective like an alien or something, or just somebody that doesn't know anybody and just watches. It's weird. It's fucking weird. It's like, oh, why does his voice change all of a sudden to talk to that person? And why does nobody else seem to notice? Yeah. Like, whoa. Like, you think they were fucking schizophrenic or something, but that's that's how humans are. Better right? just think, like, how it is, like, whenever you are meeting, uh, like, the first, like, you know, you go to meet somebody, like, you're, you're going to try to, like, hit on somebody at the bar or, like, a first date or whatever. Like, there's no way, like... The person you are on the first couple of dates until is the real you at all. That, yeah, isn't it, that's like the best version of you that, that you're trying to put forward. And then whenever you guys decide you kind of like each other, you're like, okay, this is how I really am. You, you, yeah. ex, you exhale, let the gut hang out. Like, yeah, you know? exactly. You're gross and you're farting and you stink and everybody thinks you're weird. Like that's the real you. You're not the charming guy who knows how to make fancy cocktails and stuff. Like you're just you know not that guy. I guess we could peter the conversation off to a dull roar. Like I said, I didn't really have, well, I don't think I did say this, but I didn't really have much of a plan for this episode. I just kind of wanted to go over some character things because I'm currently in my novel just getting to the stage where I'm setting the characters. And I think that's why I put it off for this last week of having trouble. Right? Well, I've been actually really busy with stupid shit. But besides that, I've been having trouble kind of cementing the, the characters. So far, it's just a couple and their interaction with each other, like how they're going to speak. Because I started off kind of with a fight. Yeah. So that's very different from how they normally would interact. So I was like, wow, it's kind of tough to establish characters with the fight and then try to get them to like show the reader how these characters, you know, recover from the fight and eventually treat each other like they normally would. I think I might have an idea after. Base War Story? Deuce. Deuce? <laughs> uh, after the, that might, that might help. That might help us here, you know. Like, right. We might have talked about it before, but we'll talk about it after, you know. Okay. Well, to wrap that part up, uh, they're, after, you know, while this fight's kind of going on, they have to go to, like, a party with a bunch of people. That's kind of what the catalyst of the fight was. Like, 
Uh, the one guy is pretty much just going to be me. Where it's like, I don't want to go to that fucking party. Okay. I don't know these people. I don't like those fucking people. And the, the, the female is going to be like, yeah, so let's go to the party. I want to do random shit that I'm not going to like either, but I'm going <laughs> to pretend I'm going to like it. And then, uh, anyway, so then they're going to go to the party, and then you'll see the interaction. But it's going to be interesting because, obviously, they're going to be soured because they were fighting on the way to this party. So the way they interact with these people is going to be very different from how they might normally treat fucking strangers. Yeah. They might actually be more assholes than they normally would be. Yeah, because so, they're they're already they're already they're already at nine already. Yeah. Like. So I'm very interested to see like you know where it goes with that, and then how I can reel it back to make these characters likable. And because uh, they're just going to give these, I'm going to make the fucking people at the party super douchebags and stuff. So you're not going to like them at all anyway. I think that'd be a good way to, because if you just have the main characters, uh. Just treat normal, fun-loving people like shit oh, immediately. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's gonna like them. I mean, like that—that's the whole. Uh, we was, hell. That's the fucking. Whenever the other day on the on the failed Tuesday, uh, we were talking about Seinfeld. That's the only reason you like those characters is because the other characters they deal with are like weird. Also, yeah, neurotic like, assholes too. Yeah, they're just not. You you just you spend more time with these four, so you like them more. But if you did a an episode of like. You know, some other four people, and they ran into them. They'd yeah. be the weird fucking assholes. So it's all about perspective, <laughs> pretty much. So anyway, folks, if you want to check out some of our stories and dig up what you think our character motivations are, uh, our characters' motivations are, and you know the goals and all the overcoming obstacles and stuff, you can go to dot com and read those stories. Uh, we have plenty of them now. You can also go on the old Twitter at DrunkPenWriting and give us a follow or comment or yell at us or whatever you want to do. I don't really care. Uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, also at DrunkenPenWriting. That's not also because the Twitter's DrunkPenWriting. Can't have that again. Stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> uh, but the Instagram. <laughs> That's what we are for starting all this shit. Stupid. Um... But the Instagram I've been trying to work on, I'm thinking about maybe doing like short little videos of uh, either readings or maybe just like some writing excerpts or just different things to kind of Showing spice it the up. the bookcase. Yeah, the bookcase, maybe more fucking studio tours, whatever we want. Because uh, we get some more interaction than I think we would get for how minimal our, our Instagram is at the moment. Like we don't follow that like fucking anybody. We don't have a lot of uh, followers. We don't fucking post all the time. Because <clears throat> I'm only just now starting to like kind of boost that up, but I think that'd be a more fun way to go. I mean, it's kind of a fucking pain in the ass, but it does seem like people would be more interested in just like the visual aspects of what we do and stuff. And because uh, stories, you know, you read stories. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you on the podcast about a story, but unless I'm reading it out loud, you're not gonna feel it. So maybe, like I said, excerpts and stuff. But we'll we'll work on that in the future. Like once the fucking dregs of winter come and tear our souls apart mm. and. I uh, stall out for three months on my novel, and you uh, decide Space War Story 2 needs to be written before anything else, yes. and just abandon all your current projects. You know how it goes. Uh, but anyway, folks... It's going to be a huge magnum opus of... Space War Story <laughs> that nobody wanted, but I'm giving it to them. And then somehow it becomes the next Dune. Well, I have to give it to you, Spencer. I didn't think anybody was going to like Space War Story, the fucking trilogy, but you made it happen, man. The Spencer cut. The Spencer cut. <laughs> Uh, so thanks for listening and stick around because we have a mirror coming minute coming back. Yes. Uh, if you want to read along, I almost forgot about that. Uh, the elephant vanishes is the book we're covering, I believe. 
Uh, yes. Yeah, the elephant yeah, vanishes. Good. So since I just finished the Lord of the Rings, the first book, I'm going to start reading that. And next week, we can um, Tuesday or something, maybe before a writing session, do a recording of one or two of those, depending how long. The st- you said the first stories are kind of long, so. I should, I should still be like at least two of them read. Yeah. So we're going to try, we're going to, this time, unlike the first person singular, we're not going to cover each story individually. We're going to cover this in parts. Yeah, because there's like 16 or 17 stories. Yeah, there's stories. a good bit of story. So uh, keep your eyes out. A Miracle Minute will be back, and that'll be posted on Fridays within the next month or so. We'll start that. Uh, then we got an IRC after that, which you're not involved in. Yeah, wipe your head because I don't, I'm concerned. It's yeah. David Foster Wallace. Uh, it's not infinite jest for anybody wondering because fuck, I cannot do another eleven thousand word or page fucking story. Yeah, you finished the last one. Yeah, I know. Uh, but it's uh his short story collection, Oblivion, and that seems doable. So um, that'll be you know winter time, future time after Miracle Minute. Uh, so like I said, keep things, and we'll try to get like some stories and shit on the website. I got a couple I'm sitting on that I need to fucking get off my ass and put up. That not my stories, uh, submissions. And uh, we have other things, too, that I can put up. Uh, we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get back to fucking being more regular with our posts and stuff. Since I'm just writing a novel now and not just fucking all these short stories and random shit, I can kind of focus on that a little more. Yeah, I give you like a, we give you a little break from the novel. Yeah. You can write a couple yeah. smaller things to give. I'm not editing 9,000 submissions or yeah. anything crazy like that. So back to normal. NaNoWriMo is like usually a slow month for us. Uh because people are just busy, busy with that. They're yeah, not, yeah, they're trying to work on their book. Yeah, so they're not paying attention to what we're doing anyway. So, you, you know, and then Christmas. So usually don't after the holidays, honestly. It's like a slow period, but we'll see how things go. But anyway, thank you for listening, and uh, check us next time. <laughs>